back to Behind the Crime. Today, we're doing a little motor vehicle mishaps, if you will. Some car accidents. Mine's not so accidental, but... <laughs> oh, I actually haven't really heard anything about your case, so I'm excited for today. This is our fourth episode. Yes. How are we feeling? It's very cold in this room, so I'm feeling very cold. Personally. It is really cold, so I apologize if I'm sniffling a lot. It's, you hear our teeth jittering. Yeah, and I did not wear the proper gear for this today, so that's unfortunate for me. Yeah, I don't know why it's so cold in here. <laughs> I don't know. The rest of the basement isn't this cold. You know what? It's so cold because these are some chilling cases. I'm cutting that out. I know. So I'm first this week, and my accident is one that I heard from my dad years ago um, and I'll explain more about that later. So, 1967 is the year, and actress Jane Mansfield, age 34, this was on June 29th, specifically. So, Jane Mansfield was an actress at the time, super popular, blonde, bombshell, uh, to <laughs> use a direct quote, um, pretty popular. So she was on her way back from Mississippi to New Orleans. She had been performing at standing engagements at local nightclubs, and she had a television appearance the next day. So Ronald B. Harrison was her driver. Mansfield and her lawyer and her, co her companion at the time were in the car, and also her ex-husband Mickey Hartijay and her three of her five children were also in the car. Oh, that's a lot of people. Eight-year-old Mickey, six-year-old Zoltan, and three-year-old Marie. So we have Jane Mansfield, we have her driver, her lawyer, her companion at the time, who I could not find a name of, Brody is possibly the last name. They were kind of mysterious about that. I have a question. When you say companion... Her boyfriend. And her ex-husband was there too. Yes, and her ex-husband, Mickey, was there. And three, three of their five children. So they were in a Stevens 1966 Buick Electra, and they... At one point, they're on a dark stretch of road, and just as a truck was approaching, a machine emitting a thick white fog used to spray mosquitoes, which may have been the cause of the crash, uh, the Electra... Oh, this is at 2.15 in the morning. The Electra hit the trailer of the truck from behind and slid under. Mansfield, Harrison, Bodie... And the driver were all killed. Eight-year-old Mickey, six-year-old Zoltan, and three-year-old Marie were all asleep on the back seat, and they all survived, mm. just with minor injuries. So this is actually interesting. So when I first heard about this case, I heard that Jane Mansfield was decapitated. Because that's what my dad had heard. That's what he told me. Mm -hmm. And rumors about that spread for years. They're still spreading. It's what the case is known for. Mm -hmm. 
But actually, that is not what happened. Um, I'm not going to go into (laughs) super details, but it was... People described it as closer to a scalping than a decapitation. That's the most detail I will go into. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people were spreading rumors that she was decapitated. Of course So, and I thought until I just like went full research on this case a couple days ago, I thought that that was the case too because that's what people who had heard about the case told me because that's Mm. what they heard. Um, But that was not the case. It was very... Very gruesome death, but not decapitation. Mm. Um, this case changed the truck industry. So the federal transportation authorities, after this crash, recommended a wide use of rear under rim protection systems in tractor trailers, which is... Basically, just the bars on the back of the truck. Uh, This is to prevent uh, cars from sliding under in the event of a collision. They are also, they're best known for Mansfield bars. Mm -hmm. And so they, it was widely suggested after the crash, but then in 1998, they became mandatory. So this case is what really caused um people to put this mandatory safety precaution Mm -hmm. protocol into place so since 1998 they have been mandatory so they're known as mansfield bars Mm -hmm. because jane mansfield uh and that's actually how i heard about this case one day me and my dad were driving on the road and there was a truck in front of us and he randomly was like do you know what that's called and I was like a truck (laughs) and he was like no the bars in the back and I was like no he was like Mansfield bars and I was like a little fun fact for you okay and he was like do you know why it's called that and I was like no like my little eight-year-old self well if you didn't know what they were called (laughs) how would you know why they were called that and he told me the story but like I said the it's just crazy how rumors that were started mm-hmm. when this accident happened are still going around today. Yeah. And like when you research the case, it comes up, it's like Jane Mansfield decapitated in crash. And then if you actually read an article, they explain it was more like it was more like a scalping. But I just think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the end of my case. It was super short this week. I have a thing to follow up on. Can you restate the names of the other people who died in the crash along with her so because there's so many people it's hard to like keep it straight jane mansfield died she's the actress Mm -hmm. her driver ronald b harrison died Mm -hmm. her lawyer and her companion at the time who i her lawyer i could not find a name for her companion boyfriend fiance they did not specifically say what he was yeah they used the word companion um samuel s brody is the name that i found for him i don't know if that's actually correct Mm -hmm. he also died and her ex-husband mickey hartajay was also in the car and he died they so mansfield and hartajay had five kids together three of them were in the car but they all survived okay so six people total died Mm mm-hmm no. That's just no. 
Mansfield, her driver, her lawyer, her companion, and her ex-husband. Five, five people. Yeah. That's just a lot of people. Yeah. That's very tragic. Yeah, but at least we have bars on the back of trucks now. Because mm-hmm. I don't, like, whenever I drive past a truck, that thought, no. like, does cross my head. Like, I hate driving. If, yeah. Trucks. It's, trucks are just scary. Why do they have scary. to be that big? Like, <laughs> I always feel like I'm going to get run off the road, especially, yeah. like, when you're passing one. Mm-hmm. terrifying and the thought of like sliding underneath one because like if they ran into the back of the truck and the bars are there you have a higher chance of survival yeah which is why they put them in place but that's just terrifying i also would not want to be the first responders on that scene because mm-hmm. imagine how gruesome and imagine the kids oh yeah like waking up and being underneath a truck and the reason why they survived because they were laying down on yeah. the back seat, so their heads weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. That's really lucky for them, you know. Yeah. So that's my case for the week. Yeah. Um, my case, on the other hand, was not an accident. Bum, bum, bum. I'm not gonna get into the case. I'm gonna start with the woman who committed this crime that you'll find out about later. I'm just going to give you some background on her. Okay. And, like, what led up to this event. Her name is Priscilla Joyce Ford, and she was born on February 10th, 1929, in Barron Springs, Michigan. In 1957, she got a job as a teacher, and she had no, like, college degree. Just She just graduated from high school. And people were weary of her, like, the school at first, of hiring her because she was the only black teacher in the area. Okay you know, at the time, but she was praised as a caring and talented teacher. She worked there for over seven years, and while she was there, got a bachelor's degree in education, and then in 1970, at this point, she was living in Buffalo, New York, and her behavior became more and more bizarre, as described by friends and family. Mm -hmm. She believed to see her dead husband across the street of her house, which obviously she didn't and she also claimed to have the soul of adam as in adam and eve and the bible from the bible specifically adam specifically adam and also claimed to have the soul of jesus okay yeah um it's interesting that they were both male that's why i wanted to clarify it was specifically adam not eve but uh, i mean that could be because, like, a lot of people see Eve as, like, the, the one, one the who caused it. Yeah. And they, they just see Adam as, like, oh, it's unfortunate that he was there. But, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in 1972, her son, who was away in the Army, he returned home and reported to her as an alcoholic and to be delusional at this point. So now she's in Reno. Nevada. Oh. She moves around a lot, you'll see. Mm-hmm. And she gets her first diagnosis because she voluntary co- voluntarily committed herself to Nevada Mental Health Institute, and she was treated and released. Her diagnosis was passive-aggressive personality with hysterical episodes. I don't know what they treated her with. I'm assuming it was some sort of medication, and they just said, well, you have your medication. You should be fine now. 
um, now I'm going to get into the first time she was arrested, which was for trespassing and assault in 1974. And she was sent for a mental health evaluation. And her daughter, who was 11, was taken away by social workers. Mm. This is still in Reno, Nevada. And she sees her daughter as a kidnapping victim at this point. Like, she doesn't see it as she's an unfit mother. The Nevada took it away, took her away from oh, her. Oh, so she thinks that her daughter was kidnapped by the By child. Nevada. Yeah, by the agency. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, okay. And then she returned to New York to get help from Catholic charities, and a nun there described her as delusional as well. No further details from that, but you can assume she was saying similar okay. things like, I have the soul of Adam, I'm Jesus, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then 1978, she was treated again in another mental institute in Idaho. She travels. And then 1979, she's back in Buffalo and is treated again in another mental institute and is finally diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic with violent tendencies i was going to say when you started talking about it i was like sounds like she might have schizophrenia or she's totally making it up Mm, she has schizophrenia (laughs) okay or had and then in may of 1980 she found an attorney and wanted him to help her get her daughter back and threatened to well, this is a quote. She said she will drive across the state and kill everybody she saw along the way if he doesn't help her. Um, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, so this okay. is her one of... I guess since she already had her the assault in 1974, this is her second case of violence that's, mm-hmm. like, noted or mm-hmm. recorded. And then... Same year, she decides to move to San Francisco, but she stops in Reno just, like, to cash a check, it was. She was stopped in Reno to cash a, ta- a check, and in her brief few minutes there, she decided, I'll stay here. And she got a job at Macy's, a temporary job as, like, a gift wrapper. Okay. So, now we're going to get into what she did, which happened on Thanksgiving Day in 1980 which was November 27th, Mm -hmm. she went on a killing rampage with her car. She killed six, three men, three women, and injured 23. Um, Her car was a 1974 Lincoln Continental. She drove it down a sidewalk for five blocks, up going 40 miles per hour. Um, She drove for at least 100 feet, no, at least a block with a woman on the hood of her car for the entire time. Oh, my God. A witness said it looked as though someone had gone through the streets with a lawnmower mowing people down. It looked oh. like a battlefield. There were bodies all over the place. That's... She was arrested on scene and said to the police, I did what I had to do. And the victim described the victims as just pigs, animals let out in a wild place. Oh, my God. She also said, the people of Reno will pay in death. For what? For kidnapping her daughter. They yeah. They don't even know you. Mm-hmm. It's, they didn't, nobody, first of all, nobody kidnapped her daughter. Well, yeah. Second of all, if somebody did, it wasn't the people of Reno, it was mm-hmm. social services. Mm-hmm. And she was 50. For a good reason, Yeah, might I add. Yeah. She was 51 at the time that she committed this crime. 
And she told a doctor when she was like evaluated in custody that the wife of Senator Edward Kennedy told her to kill. She said, just run through a whole bunch of people and kill everybody. So she thought she had a relationship, like a friendship with this politician's wife who she'd never met before. That, sorry, I just, I just blew into the mic because I'm so baffled. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, she, okay. So it's important to note that she was treated and released from seven different hospitals before going on her killing spree. You know what? I was going to say, how did she go so long with, like, saying that she was going to kill people and, like, mm-hmm. talking about these delusions and no one helped her? But And people made they reports. They did help her. She was in hospitals. Well, what happened was she wouldn't stay on the medications they gave her. Oh, and okay. they actually did work and they controlled her illness, but she refused to stay on them. She would just stop taking them. Someone should have been monitoring. She should have been in a facility for way longer. Um, Or she should have had somebody, should have had a caretaker or something, but she didn't. She was indicted in December for six counts of murder and 23 counts of attempted murder. Mm -hmm. The judge ordered a mental health um, evaluation and treatment to make sure that she was fit to stand trial. Mm -hmm. And, of course, her defense attorney wanted to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. But she kind of contradicted this by stating herself that she's not insane. Um, So she insisted on taking the stand despite her lawyer telling her not to. Okay, so she's just digging her hole deeper. Yeah. While on the sand, she claimed to be Jesus Christ, also claimed to be the reincarnation of the Seventh-day Adventist church founder, claimed that she had godlike powers, and would smite her enemies. A quote is, I was as happy as I could be on the day of the killings. I am in the state of mind that I am in heaven. So the prosecutor showed her a picture of each of the six people she killed, and at each one asked, were you as happy as you could be and in a heavenly state when you killed, and then their name? Each time she replied, yes. That is awful. That is mm-hmm. chilling. I know. I, I hope that... I, it's just like so sad because I'm sure some of the victims' families or friends were in mm-hmm. that courtroom, and to just have this person not be even a little remorseful. She showed no emotion for a single one. She basically said like she was asked if she had any regrets, and she's like, "There's no point in having regrets. It doesn't change anything. I did what I did," and said that but- in front of the jury. Um, so she also said, relating to her belief that she had godlike powers, she said that, she said the day before her husband died to her children, I hope God strikes him dead. And then he died the next day. So that's why she thinks she has powers? I guess that's one of the reasons, yeah. How did her husband die? I don't know. Hmm. I, I want to say natural causes. Okay, because I... I'm just wondering, because if it was natural causes and they could see it coming, her saying that, it yeah, that has nothing to do... But I was just wondering if it was like, you know, he mm-hmm. fell off a ladder or like some kind of accident. Yeah. I'm like, what is the chances that she was the cause? Yeah. You know, I just want to... I want to know how he died because... But also, yeah. I mean, I guess if they were suspicious that sh- she killed him, that would have been... You would have found uh, that. Yeah, there so were I'm no suspicions of was, that. Yeah. 
But it's just so awful to say that to your kids. The daughter who was, I don't know how young at the time, but she was 11 when yeah, she was taken awful. away. That's awful. Yeah. That um, is so frustrating. So somebody who, aside from, they had a variety of professionals testify, um, but the one person who had the most effect on the jury was Winter Scott, who was her daughter. Her daughter her, testified. The daughter that got that taken, was taken away. away. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, she explained that her mother taught her how to smoke marijuana at age nine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And also that she wanted to artificially inseminate Winter Scott so she could bring the new Messiah, another virgin birth. Imagine being her daughter and just like not n- like just I know not knowing what your mom is talking about at any given minute. I know. Like, and, like, and then, that has to be terrifying because you don't know what she's going to do. You know what I mean? And she's saying she wants to do all these weird, terrifying things. And um, did she, ha- she didn't have any siblings? There was an older brother who was an adult because he um, returned from the army in, what was it? 1972. Um... I don't know if he testified or not, but if he did, it wasn't as powerful as um, Winters. Um, so the jury was made up of seven men and five women, and they found her guilty on all counts. Good. Every single one. Good. Um, so she did file many appeals. And also lost a state Supreme Court bid to reduce to life without parole because of an unfair trial. That is not, she did not have an unfair trial. And um, her lawyer said it's hard for for him to forget this case as much as he wants to. And said that, but he also said he doesn't believe that she'll ever be put to death because of her insanity. Mm -hmm. but But she'll just remain on death row until she dies. Which she did on March 29th in 2005. Um, Also, when she was sentenced to death, which was March 29th, 1982, two years after the crime, she said, I would like to be left alone to die in peace. And then she was on death row for 23 years as the only woman. In all 23 years, she was the only woman on death row. And she died due to complications of emphysema. Wow. Mm-hmm. And a prison worker was quoted saying she had been quiet for so long, meaning she was just there, probably because they were forcing her to take medication because mm-hmm. she didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um. It's just so awful going back to the appeal she filed. These victims' families and victims who survived had to relive this so many times, and that's mm-hmm. just so many people. Um. It. It's just a crazy that is case i'm glad that you didn't tell me anything about this before we recorded today because that was my genuine reaction my jaw it's very shocking so many times yeah. that it's also just so frustrating when you have a person who has done these awful things and then isn't even a little remorseful mm-hmm. like it doesn't change anything what well it doesn't change anything like what they did if they're remorseful or not but when they like apologize and realize what they've done Mm -hmm. it's it's a little 
less frustrating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Because like, it doesn't they can make be it. Like, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't change anything. Yeah, it, it doesn't make it hurt any less. But it's like at but, least you're living with the guilt of what you did. But yes. she just didn't. When care. they're not remorseful, it's like they don't even care. It's like mm-hmm. they don't care whether they're in prison or not. And then she was the in a heavenly point, state in her mind. Yeah, the point of putting people in prison is like Mm -hmm. because they did awful things that's just so frustrating i can't even talk like it's a very frustrating and chilling case honestly like some of the quotes i didn't even include like all the quotes that Mm -hmm. she said she just said so many so many crazy things like she thought she had all these relationships with politicians and politicians wives that she didn't and people she should have been watched mm-hmm. she should have been hospitalized when she went for evaluations or after her first offense mm-hmm. when she was you know arrested for assault mm-hmm. and then diagnosed l- later on with um violent tendencies well mm-hmm. she's already committed an assault what's next and then she goes to a lawyer and threatens to kill to just drive down yeah, the s- drive through the entire state killing every single person she saw how do so many people just let her keep mm-hmm. going? And I'm curious as to if that lawyer reported her or not. Mm-hmm. Or if he was just like, oh, that's weird. And like ignored it. Or if he reported it and they were like, the police were just like, oh, well. Like, she didn't do it though. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And like, the fact that she just kept appealing it. Mm-hmm. What was there to appeal? Like, I just don't understand what she thought there was to appeal. Yeah. Like, she didn't want to be well, sentenced to death, but yeah. she wasn't I guess it's anyway. It's just, like, they get to a point of, like, desperation. That it's, yeah. like, they'll just keep, even though there's no reason. Mm-hmm. There's it's no just. That's crazy. That's just so many victims, too. Yeah. Six people dead and 23 people injured. Like, mm-hmm. that she was trying to kill them. And, honestly, she would have kept going. Yeah. She was driving through street signs. She was driving through fire hydrants. She was driving through, um, you know, the mailboxes, Mm -hmm. like the blue ones. She just kept going. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And immediately sped up to 40 miles per hour. Like, she went up slowly so she wouldn't, like, damage her car to the point where she couldn't even do what she planned to do and just went to 40 miles per hour and just kept going. That's insane. I know. Well, I think that concludes our our fourth Fourth episode episode. um thanks for listening as usual um we'll be posting links that we've used like the sources that we used on our instagram stories keep up with our instagram we post every single time there's a new episode and we've been posting on our story a lot every time we record and anytime we have any links to cases that mm-hmm. we talk about we'll usually post the links and any links to articles and links to documentaries, documentaries that we mentioned mm-hmm. yeah uh we'll post them after the episodes go up yeah so those will be on our stories um so yeah follow us on instagram and we'll, we'll see, see you in, in two weeks, weeks. bye, bye.